0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Today, we're talking a little bit about COVID-19. Yeah, it's been a crazy few days and uh, uh, we don't even have a sponsor anymore. Uh, Our sponsor has been Harbor, uh, the Pepper Bible Lectures, uh, an event that I look forward to every year, but um, they... uh, they're having to uh, cancel the event this year. Uh, you might know that uh, Pepperdine University, like many other universities, has shut down their classes for the rest of the year in person. They moved everything to being online, and uh, they've had to make the decision to do the same thing with the lectures. And it's uh, it's one of uh, many things that uh, many people are you know sad about. As someone who's looking forward to the event, I completely understand. I, I think the safety and um, the way that we love our neighbors is to consider their safety before our own. And so something like this, you know, it, obviously the decision makes sense, but it's, it, it's a sad thing. And uh, th- these last few days have just been um, absolutely uh, peculiar, unprecedented, new, unique, different. Uh, it's left uh, so many of us just kind of flabbergasted as to what's, what's going on. And in light of this uncertainty, it's been really easy to give into anxiety and fear. And I think the witness of what Christianity is supposed to be is a unique and peculiar voice. Uh, and I think a time like this is especially important for us to be that. And so, uh, this morning, uh, just actually, I just got home uh, a couple hours ago, uh, from our service and, uh, we had to cancel our in, uh, in-person, uh, services and move everything to online. I know many churches, uh, not just in Austin, not just in Texas, but, uh, you know, across the country, um, canceled our in-person services. And so so many of us had services that uh, we led or we participated in online. I know uh, not every church had the ability. I think uh, in, in Arkansas they had to, Storm was telling me that they're mailing out their sermon on uh, VHS tapes because uh, they don't have the internet there. But uh, for the rest of us who have the internet, um, we did church that way. And it was a peculiar thing to stand on a stage uh, and look at a bunch of empty pews and communicate the good news of Jesus that way. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share that with you. This is a, a sermon that obviously uh, was not prepared. If you know anything about uh, my sermon writing, it is, I, you know, I kind of like to be prepared. Uh, actually, earlier this week, I think I sent all my sermons through Easter over to our worship team. So that's kind of how I roll usually, and this is one of those situations where you know, we had to scrap everything. Uh, Suzanne Stabile was supposed to be down in town. Uh, she was leading the Enneagram stances conference at our church. And so she was going to stay over and help me. And, uh, you know, her and Joe Stabile made the right call to cancel the Enneagram conference out of the, uh, best interest of ever involved. And especially for those who are over, uh, 65, uh, we want to be very kind, conscientious and cognizant of their best interest. So they, they made that decision. She couldn't be down here. Um, And, you know, preaching a sermon from Genesis, uh, the the text that we were talking about really, I didn't feel like it was the right move. And so I hadn't written a sermon on a Saturday in in years. Uh, I can't remember the last time I literally had to write a sermon from scratch on Saturday. But, um, I feel like this was a, a special and unique moment that we needed to uh, pause what we're doing and, and start from scratch the day before and come up with something, uh, that hopefully was, uh, timely and, and, and relevant to what a lot of us were, were going through. And so that's what uh, I'm going to play for you right now. This is a the sermon I did, uh, just a couple hours ago. And I think, um, uh, we all need to hear about, um, the simple message that God is with us in a time like this. So, uh, without further ado, here is the sermon for today and, um, Y'all take care, be safe, um, be smart. And um, one of the ways that we all are going to love each other is by taking care of other people's health. And one of the best ways we can do that is taking care of our own. So uh, love y'all, all the best. Uh, and, and a special shout out. I know some of you were actually going to be coming down uh, for the Enneagram Stances Conference. And I was looking forward to meeting some of you in person. Sorry you couldn't make it, um, but hopefully another time, another day, we will get to meet in person soon. All the best, much love. Here we go. Well, for all of you who uh, are watching from the random places that you're sitting right now, whether you're at home, whether you're sitting in your car, whether you're still in bed this morning, we are glad that you've joined us for what is obviously um, a strange morning for each and every one of us. It's, it's different. We've, we've never done anything like this. Now, th- this morning, I was supposed to uh, share with you a sermon talking about reconciliation, talking about the story of Jacob and Esau coming back together. I had a friend of mine named Suzanne Stabile who was going to be in town for an Enneagram conference that she was leading, and she's written a book about the path between us, so she was going to help me teach on this, but Suzanne and her husband Joe were both over the age of 65, and so they wisely made the decision to not even make the trip down to Texas or down to, down to Austin, and that's an inconvenience for, for some of us, but in light of what's going on with the COVID-19, it pales in comparison to some of the anxiety and the fears that some of us have. Some of us who are especially more vulnerable health-wise, uh, this can be a very terrifying and unnerving time. I can only imagine that this is going to be one of those moments, one of those times that we look back and go, I remember exactly where I was when this took place. It'd be like a, a flashbulb memory of a friend of mine who was in higher education, uh, one of those people who had to make the decision to shut down a university. And he texted me a couple days ago. He said, I've, I've worked through m- many emergencies before. But this is unprecedented. It is. Uh, on Friday, President Trump declared that we're in a, a national emergency. Many healthcare experts are saying it is going to get worse before it gets better. It is clearly a, an unnerving and unique time. Uh, the one thing most of us are jumping back and say, well, maybe it's kind of like this is from 1918 uh, when, when the Spanish flu over a couple-year period, affected over a quarter of the world's population. It's a unique time. At the University of California in San Francisco, there was recently a panel, and the experts there said that they estimate between 40 to 75% of Americans will be affected by this. And we have no way to tell who will be, but what we do know is that this is a unique and an unnerving time. It's different, and it's even, it's even hard to talk about it. Uh, on Friday night, we as a church made the decision to move all of our services online. And so it's Friday night, so I'm at home. And so I have to record uh, a message for our church about why we're having all of our services online. Here's actually a screenshot of all the uh, takes that I did for this shot that was three minutes long. There is all of these attempts that I did to communicate one thing about how we're moving all of our services online. And part of the reason it's so difficult is because if we're being honest, we see the political division in our country in the way that based on your political loyalties, you talk about this different. And so how do you, how do you talk about this in a way that doesn't come across as partisan? It's, it's hard. And so about halfway through this, I sent one of my takes to, uh, to Scott and some of the other guys at, at Westover. And I had to tell my daughter, Avery, who is recording this for me, that we had to do another one. And I, I'm at home Friday night. Obviously, no one else is there except my kids to help me with this. And so this is my daughter's Avery's response to when I told her we had to shoot another shot of this. Take a look at this. Says I need to do a different one. Why? I don't know what's happening she right there. She's dark. on her side. Oh yeah, you act way too sad. acting like is way too serious. It's not that big. <laughs> so she's saying I'm being way too sad. Um, my bad, sorry, 11-year-old daughter. Uh, it, so I, I get, in some ways, this can be a terrifying thing. But there's something we should be reminded of is that even after what happened in 1918, people were still here, that we got through that and we'll get through something else. And we look to those that, maybe we weren't there, but we look to our family and our friends who lived through that. For some of us, it's our great-grandparents who lived through the Spanish flu of 1918. Some of us are our grandparents or our parents, or for some of us, it's the executive minister Scott that we work with who lived through it. Whoever it was, though, they somehow got through this. And the encouragement for us is that we, too, will get through this. But as Christians, the reason that we believe we'll get through this isn't because we have uh, some great technological advance or because we have the strength inside of us, but because we believe one central truth. And that truth is that God is with us. The central claim of Christianity when it comes to stuff like this is simply that God is with us. There's a story about a group of young Jewish boys who were taken away, and they're raised in captivity. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or at least the names they're given while they're there in captivity. And there's a time they're told that if they don't bow down to these other gods, that they're gonna be thrown into a fiery furnace. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, even if we are thrown in the fiery furnace, we are not gonna compromise what we believe. And the true miracle of that story isn't simply that they get thrown in the fiery furnace and that they live. That's that's not real, really the miracle from the story. The real miracle of the story is that when they were in the fiery furnace, that there was another person with them. And the miracle that we can all cling to is no matter what fiery furnace that we're in, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, that we're not alone in it. That we are with the presence of a God who doesn't leave us, a God who doesn't depart us. I want to read a section of scripture to you, and and as our practice is, would you be willing to stand as I read from God's word, from Psalm 139? The scripture says this, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light to you. The word of the Lord, please be seated. Scripture says, I I, I can go anywhere. I can go to Wuhan, China, and you're there. I can go to Italy, and you're there. I can go to Iran. I can go on a cruise ship. I can go to Washington, D.C. I can go to Seattle, and you are still there. And the miracle that we have, the promise that we hold to in a time like this is no matter where we are, physically or emotionally, God is still there with us. And when God is with us, the way that we respond is different. We don't have to respond with fear. This is what God says to Joshua, Joshua 1. Scripture tells us this. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, you don't have to live in fear or panic for one reason. The reason is that God is with you. And as Christians, the central understanding of our entire faith is the person of Jesus. Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, God makes this abundantly clear that God is always there. No matter if we are in a tomb, God is there with us. No matter if we are sinners, God is with us. No matter if we are sick, God is with us. And this is a central reality that sometimes we just miss. Sometimes we miss because we're just distracted. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letter... Uh, there's this fictional uh, discussion between uh, people who are working against the way of God, demons who are working against the way of God. And one of the the pieces of coaching that one older demon gives to a younger demon is that if you can't make people bad, simply make them busy. If you can't make them bad, make them busy. And if there's anything that we all are having to experience right now at this time is we're realizing that our, our schedules are kind of being forced to slow down. Which might not be a bad thing. Because the rhythms that we live by right now make it very easy for us to be busy instead of being present to the God who's always with us. Uh, The Jewish rhythm for how life is is different than ours. There's work and then Sabbath. Many of us just do work and work and work and business and business and business and we don't ever stop. Uh, There's even a peculiar way that in Genesis... In the first chapter, there's this description of how the world came into being, and there's this kind of this rhythmic poetry that God speaks, creation happens, it was evening, it was morning, and then it was the next day. God speaks, creation happens, it was evening, it was morning, the next day. And even the way Genesis tells time, it's evening and then it's morning, is a subtle reminder that it's rest and then it's work. It's evening, then it's morning. It's rest, and then you go into the world. And some of us are being forced to rest in a way that we haven't before. Everything is put on pause. A lot of us have been put on pause. Uh, Those of us who are sports fans, all of a sudden, we don't have our normal way of being distracted. My wife uh, says something to me Thursday night. She goes, hey, Luke, do you want to watch the game tonight? I go, of course I want to watch the game tonight. But the NBA has shut down. There's no NBA to watch. There's no sporting events to watch. And we're being forced to pause in a way that some of us have never done before. Some of us are realizing that the person who lives in the house next to us is actually a wonderful person. We just haven't paid attention to him. And maybe part of what's happening right now is we're having to pause as a nation. And in doing so, God is whispering, I am still here, even if you've been so busy that you miss me. I say, I'm here even if you miss me. And maybe that's not the only thing God is teaching us in this. Maybe that's not the only thing God is trying to say to us in the midst of this. So one of the theories as to how this COVID-19 or coronavirus spread is that there was a market in Wuhan in which someone got this virus, which is originally in the animal world, possibly through a bat, possibly by eating a bat, and now it became something in the human world. Now, however, patient zero got infected, I obviously have no idea. But if you were to tell us a month or two months ago, That what one person ate from a market over in China would cause our educational system to come to a screeching halt. That our entertainment world, that our sporting world would have to stop, and that our favorite and most beloved movie actor, Tom Hanks, would have to stop shooting a movie. We'd all go, that's ridiculous. How would something all the way over there cause everything right here to come to a crashing halt? We wouldn't believe it. And maybe what the COVID-19 is screaming at us is maybe something that God was whispering to us all along. And maybe what this virus is screaming at us is the simple message that you are far more connected than you realize, that none of you are as independent from one another as you want to be. And maybe this is something that God has been whispering to us for thousands of years, When Jesus taught his followers to pray, he said, when you pray, pray our father. It's not my father. It's not me and the people who are part of my country. It's not just me and those who who are like me. It's not me and everyone who votes the way I do. It's not people who live in the same church that I do. But it's everyone. Everyone. Because we are all far more connected than we realize. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses the metaphor of the body. So we are all this body that we are connected together. And maybe that's a fitting picture for our entire world. Even if we live so diametrically opposed to that. In the Spanish flu of 1918, individual cities had their choice in how they're going to respond to it. And so St. Louis immediately shut everything down. But the city that I was born in, Philadelphia, decided we're not going to shut down right away. And so they went on and had this massive parade, and then a week later they shut everything down. And the death totals in Philadelphia doubled what happened in St. Louis. Because where I'm from, we want to say, no, 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 you can't tell us what to do. We're, We're our own place. We're independent from you. And we don't do exactly like that now, but we, we act that way still. We go to the grocery store, and we empty out all the toilet paper. Toilet paper. I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's part of COVID-19. But what happens is we are so filled with fear and panic that we think, I just got to take care of myself. And if you did that with toilet paper, I'm not judging you. I literally have... 13 individual pints of my favorite ice cream at home in my freezer. I, I'm not judging you. I'm the same way. Rather, I want to take care of myself. So if you want Halo Top, my bad, you're on your own. Think about me. I was listening to a book this week uh, by a therapist named uh, Lori Gottlieb, and she uses this phrase of pre-confession to describe how sometimes in our dreams, we, we work through issues that we should be confessing in real life, and so these dreams in some way function as a pre-confession. So I have a dream about how I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of something, which is really a pre-confession about this issue in my real life that I'm afraid to tackle. And maybe the ways that we act so independent of one another, the way that we, we hoard for ourselves, maybe these things can be our pre-confession for the ways in which we live as though we are an island independent of everyone else who is our brother and sister. Because if God is father, that means every other person is your sibling. And you don't live independent of them. Maybe what God is whispering to us right now is, I am with you, and so are these people. We're all in this together. But we shouldn't be oblivious to think that God is the only one whispering to us in this. We shouldn't be naive to think that only God is whispering us, whispering to us right now. Because fear doesn't come from God. And we, a lot of us feel it. Paul writes these words to Timothy. Second Timothy 1.7. Scripture says, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. God didn't give us a spirit of, of cowardice. Some translate this word timidity. Other translations will even use the word fear. God didn't give you that cowardice. God didn't give you that timidity. God didn't give you that fear. That, that fear that you have, it's from someone else. and it's something we should give back. Because no matter what happens, as Christians, we don't live in fear. Because even if the worst thing happens, we don't approach it the same way everyone else does. Christianity has always had a divergent and unique disposition towards our own mortality. In the 14th century, there was a Christian woman named Julian of Norwich. She's a Roman Catholic, and she was surrounded by uh, the bubonic plague, Black Death, had ravaged where she lived. And because of her understanding of faith, she believed that last rites were an important uh, act for someone to receive before they enter into the age to come. And even though this pandemic was all around her, she was still going out and giving last rites to people, knowing what it would cost her. She saw what it cost everyone else. But she famously wrote these words in light of that terrible circumstance. She said, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. We don't have this spirit of fear. Because we trust that no matter what happens, God's love will rescue us in the end. John writes these words. 1 John 4. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out Fear. So my prayer for you, if, if you are crippled by anxiety and fear, what, what can happen? May you receive the perfection that only comes from God's love. So that you don't live out of the fear that says, I need to take care of myself. I need to hoard for myself. But instead you live out of this kind of love that says, all shall be well. All shall be well. John 9, Jesus and his disciples were... Uh, We're walking, and they they come across someone who has blindness. And the disciples ask a question that many people today are asking. And the question was, who caused this? And so the disciples say, Jesus, did this happen because of this person's sin or their parents' sin? It's the same question people are saying today. Well, is is God punishing us for something? Did, Did we do something for God to cause this virus to have this outbreak? Here's Jesus' response in John chapter 9, verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Jesus, you you want to play this game of who's at fault? I'm playing a completely different game. And the game I'm playing is that this is an opportunity for God's work to be revealed. And I'd argue that this too, in this moment, this moment that we will look back on and remember years later from now, is an opportunity for us to reveal God's work. And the way that we reveal God's work is that we live out of love, a love that comes from knowing that God is with us so that we, in turn, can spread God's love to those that we share this world with. One of the ways that we as a church decided to share God's love is to, to make a, a peculiar decision say so that we're only gonna be worshiping online. And we made this decision not because we're afraid, but because we, we have love. And, and, and the best information that we have tells us that one of the, the best ways to love our neighbors is uh, to minimize how rapidly this thing's going to spread. Uh, there's talk about how there's this big bell curve, and, and the, the higher and the more rapid this thing spreads, it's going to cause our healthcare system to be unable uh, to take care of people, which is true. My, my wife is a NICU nurse. She's going to work tonight. And the hospital's been telling her, um, we need more nurses to come in. And uh, obviously, we need you to have as much as you want. You can come in. We need more nurses. And if you get sick, what we'll do is we will quarantine you in a hospital for a few days uh, so that you don't get anyone else infected. Now, in light of the way that I'm acting when I'm working from home, making my kids take all these videos of me that I'm going to send to church, I think my wife is considering taking more shifts at the hospital just to get away from me. But that's how it works. If we have nurses, we have doctors, we have healthcare workers who get sick, they have to be quarantined. All of a sudden, we have this limited number that is going to be reduced down to I don't know what. And so one of the ways that we can love our neighbors is to, to minimize that bell curve, to, to prolong how this thing goes. But we do this, and we do the hand washing, and, and we are precautious, not because we're afraid, because perfect love drives out fear, but because... But because We want to reveal the work of God, and the work of God is seen in how we love one another. So may you live from that love. And so now, as we we continue to worship, I want to lead us in that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. If you don't know the words, I'm going to have to put these words on the screen next to me. But would you join with me in praying as Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.